0: We're going to continue a study that we began last week called Gifts for a King and we're talking about the gifts that the the three gifts that the wise men presented to the newborn king to Jesus the Messiah the savior. Now this is not a teaching about the wise men per se but about their gifts and what the significance is behind these three gifts. Because I, I said last week, I don't believe that the Lord wastes words, that the, in, when you are reading the Bible and you see these details, that God's attention to detail is purposeful. It could have just said that these wise men showed up and they gave gifts, and that would have uh, been sufficient for the storyline, but or the narrative, but God made sure we had the details of what gifts were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh because when we dig into those specific details, we find uh, deep and precious meaning. So today, we're going to deal with the the second of these gifts that are named, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I started at the end last week. We dealt with myrrh. Today, frankincense. And... uh, Uh, Mark in his monologue just a minute ago was talking about these gifts and how uh, He wasn't sure what two of the three were I imagine uh, for a lot of us that would be true, too We know what gold is for the most part But a lot of times if people are not familiar with myrrh or frankincense And so we've been talking about that but more than that deep the deeper meaning uh, that was being um, lived out on that occasion, somewhere in the first two years of Jesus' life when the wise men showed up and offered these gifts. So I asked you to turn to Exodus chapter 30, and we're going to start reading at verse 1, where it says, You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. Now, um, I need to kind of uh, give you a little bit of background here. So these words that we're reading now were um, written... Uh, by Moses about the occasions when uh, he was receiving instruction from God for the people of Israel that he was leading from slavery in Egypt to their promised land. They're in the wilderness wandering period and they are are on their way to the promised land and God is giving them instructions about how to live, including the Ten Commandments that he gave to Moses, but he also gave them very detailed instructions about the construction and the care of uh, something called the tabernacle and the furnishings of that tabernacle. Now, most of us, when we hear the word tabernacle, we think of it in the context of like the Mormon tabernacle choir or something like that. But it just means tent. And God gave his people instructions about a portable uh, worship center A a tent affair that would travel with the people so that wherever they are, they would be able to worship God and do it according to his uh, prescribed um, plans. Now... The, as I said, God gave very detailed instruction to Moses about how the tent should be created and every piece of furniture in it. And we're right now looking at God's instructions about something called the altar of incense, okay? So this was one of the pieces of furniture furniture, furniture, blah, 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 uh, in, the, in the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, the altar of incense, and it was to be made of acacia wood. Verse 6. And you shall place it or put it before the veil that is before the Ark of the Testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Let me kind of explain that a little bit. When it says the Ark of the Testimony, it's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. And some of you would know what that is if you've ever seen Indiana Jones, right? Because this is about that box. Uh, It was a gold-covered box that had a cover made of uh, gold that was called the Mercy Seat, and on the on either end of this lid for the box, there were angelic, uh, uh, you know, resemble figurines of, of angelic beings called cherubim, and their wings kind of stretched over the cover of the box. And so it's referring to the mercy seat, it's referring to this Ark of the Testimony, and it's referring to a veil behind which this box was kept. In the tabernacle, or the tent of meeting, there was a part, a, a compartment, called the Most Holy Place. And it was separated from everything else by a very uh, thick and, and uh, very uh, specifically detailed veil or or a curtain behind that the only thing in that compartment that most holy place was this ark of the testimony and it says here that this piece of furnishing called the um, altar of incense was to be just outside the veil before the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat because that is where God's presence was manifest Now, don't ask me how to explain it. Nobody can. But God said, between the wings of the cherubim that form the the top part of this mercy seat, on the mercy seat, between the, the wings of the cherubim, God said, I will manifest my presence there. It was like ground zero for the manifest presence of God among his people. It was a very, very sacred, holy place. And just outside that there was to be incense offered on this altar of incense. So verse 7, And you shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he, Aaron, the chief priest or high priest, when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. So this, this uh, fragrant uh, offering of incense on the altar of incense just before the veil that separated everybody and everything else from the most holy place that uh, offer of incense was supposed to go on all day every day 24 7 365 now verse 34 the same chapter and w- and the Lord said to Moses take sweet spices stocktay Annika and galbanum and pure frankincense there's that word with these sweet spices, there shall, be, there shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound, according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle, before that Ark of the Covenant, as we described. And uh, so you'll do that uh, before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, where I will meet with you, and it shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves. According to its composition, it shall be to you holy for the Lord. In other words, this wasn't available in the local store. You couldn't create this and use it at home. I don't know how many of you burn incense at home, but I'm a former hippie, so I kind of get this. But anyway, that you couldn't use it at home is only for this purpose. And the main ingredient of this incense that was to be burned continually, perpetually before the Lord, just outside of his presence, the place where he manifested his presence, was frankincense. So I want to talk to you today about why it's significant that wise men, we all want to be wise, men and women. I want to talk to you about the significance of why wise men present frankincense to the king of kings. Because frankincense represents worship, our worship. Imagine, just outside of that place of, that marked the presence of God, there's this continually rising sweet aroma And that's the way that the Bible often describes the worship of God's people, a sweet, savory aroma that rises before God's throne. So we're talking about worship today, and that's why we've switched the order of our service around because we're gonna conclude our time of teaching today with a significant time of worship. Wise men and women offer their worship to Jesus for these reasons, number one, because it's costly it's costly frankincense was very very valuable when the wise men brought this gift it wasn't you know something cheap they brought something that was very costly it's only found the trees from which uh, or that uh, the the sap of which is used to produce frankincense is only found in a very small part of our globe in uh, southern Arabia and northern Africa and it the locations of these trees And the trade routes to get to these trees and get the sap from these trees to market, those trade routes and the location of the trees themselves was guarded secrets. Uh, If you had access to one of these trees, you had a gold mine, literally. And so these... This uh, stuff, this frankincense, was extremely valuable. It was imported over long distances to get to market. When the the wise men were from the far eastern part of the Middle East, and so getting the the frankincense to them would have been a, uh, a journey of several thousand miles. Now, they didn't just put it on a plane and ship it to them, right? Uh, UPS didn't just show up at their place and bring the delivery. I mean, it, would, it required a very costly transport of this material. In fact, for 3,000 years before Jesus was born, frankincense was more valuable than gold. So when they showed up with this gift, it was significant. They were saying, Savior, you are worth Everything I I got, you you are worth more than I could ever say or or express. It's also costly in that uh, it comes from uh, trees that can, there's several varieties of this tree, but one of those varieties actually grows out of solid rock. They don't even know how. But the tree roots itself in solid rock and then develops this kind of big bulbous mass at the bottom to create a sort of a foundation for the tree to support it and to keep it from being blown away in the wind and so forth. But it's really rooted in rock. And the reason that that's significant for our discussion about the costly nature of worship is because, I don't know about you, but I go through some, so, some stony, rocky places in my life where it t- sometimes seems like I'm trying to, to derive water out of, a, out of a rock. You ever been there? Just me. Okay, well, uh, I have this problem from time to time where life seems pretty hard. You know, they... Um, the way they harvest this sap is they, they cut the bark of the trees and the sap oozes out of that and then hardens on the out exterior of the of the trunk of the tree and then they harvest those little chunks of hardened sap when they slice the um, the bark to allow the sap to flow out that 's called bleeding the tree that 's the term they use and when they the little uh, hard hardened um, globulates of, of the sap that they harvest those are called tears. Um, life sometimes feels like you're being bled. Sometimes it feels like tears are the only proper expression for what you may be going through. Now I, I don't know how this would work but it's hard for me to imagine that our God in heaven, who clearly isn't playing favorites with any of us, I mean, he doesn't, even though Dave's voice is a hundred times better than mine, God doesn't accept his worship, uh, vocal worship, more than he does mine. And how many of you say, thank God for that? <laughs> but I can't imagine that we have a God in heaven when offered, worship that rises from the hard times in our life, from those times that are stained with tears and they feel like we're bleeding, and we choose to worship God in the midst of those, I can't imagine that we don't have a God in heaven who somehow responds to that, is blessed by that in a way that is unique. And so people, wise men and women, will worship God when it's costly. In fact, you'll remember, some of you, that David, the great king of Israel, he said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. You know, when, when everything's going great and you're you know, flying high, which is, you know, every once in a while you have one of those days, right? Worship comes pretty naturally, right? You can just exuberantly praise the Lord and feeling so great. It's not so easy at other times. But when we do, we're getting close to what was being offered that day when the wise men showed up and placed that uh, container of frankincense before the Savior. Wise men and women also worship, uh, offer worship and, uh, in the, and uh, symbolized by this gift of frankincense because it's exclusive. We read there that this, uh, in, the ingredients of this, this particular formula or recipe for this particular incense that was offered on the altar of incense was not, for, not to be used for any other purpose. It was exclusively to be offered before God. Now, I don't know about you, uh, I, I, uh, but there are times when, I'll just be honest with you, I let things in my life other than God kind of rise to a place where I almost worship them. In fact, probably do worship them. Anytime I allow something to get ahead of God in my life, I am choosing something called idolatry. I am offering worship i'm giving prominence to something over god and you know who pays for that is me anytime i let anything get before god that's why uh, in the 10 commandments it says you shall have no other gods before me because when i do uh i'm the one who who pays for that not because God takes vengeance on me or anything, but because I've lost sight of the only one who can ever be my sufficiency in any situation. Just yesterday, I was talking to a young man. who was telling me about a legitimate need that he has in his life, an emotional need, something that we all uh, desire and all need. It's a God-given thing, and right now in his life, he's not, a, he's not having that, and he was lamenting that and concerned about that, and I told him, Look, I totally understand, and God is not insensitive to that, but here's what you got to be careful of. You need to be careful that you don't allow this need and your, your um, uh, sense of, the, of, the, of that missing from your life right now to begin to move into a position above your devotion to God so that that becomes the thing that you're focused on because if you do, you're worshiping it above the Lord. And... Not a good that will no good will come from that because our God is always sufficient for every need So when it talks here about Worship our worship being modeled after this offering of frankincense is talking about offering God something only he Deserves nothing else in my life deserves to be elevated Above him he alone is worthy of my praise. Wise men and women also offer worship that's from the heart. The sap of this tree is what the frankincense is derived from, that which comes from the very lifeblood of the tree. And my, look, I don't know about, again, I don't know about you, but I suspect that some of you may have uh, a time or two experience what I'm about to admit that I've done. Look, I'm often uh, sort of uh, on view when I'm worshiping, OK? Even if I'm on, not on the platform. I'm, I'm there in the front row, and I'm worshiping God. And people are you know, casually, if not intently, watching me for cues and clues, right? So I, I have to be careful that, I don't, that that's not the only place I worship is in a public gathering. And so do you, by the way. That worship is something that is just part of my life. We'll get to that more in a little bit. But there are times, I will admit to you, when I, my hands are raised, my face is crunched up, and I'm singing loudly and strongly, and my heart is someplace else. In fact, Jesus uh, quoted from Isaiah one time, and he said, "'Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, "'as it is written, "'this people honors me with their lips.'" but their heart is far from me. We're told in John that the worship that God is looking for is the worship that's in spirit and truth. That It comes from deep, the deepest part of me. We're also told in, Ma- in Mark chapter 12, he's actually quoting from Deuteronomy where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Worship, the kind of worship symbolized by that offering of frankincense on that day, presented by the wise men at, uh, to Jesus, is the kind of worship that flows from the heart. Wise men and women offer worship because it's healing as well. You know, uh, frankincense is an antiseptic. That means that it's used to, um, to uh, deal with infection or prevent infection. Um, but it's also has other, it also has other medicinal purposes. In fact, even right now today, in, in uh, 2015, uh, people are still studying the, med- the medicinal um, value of frankincense. It has the potential of being used to treat uh, things uh, that are very challenging for the medical uh, professionals, things like arthritis and asthma and other conditions that uh, really plague our world. There's healing and potential healing in this uh, substance. And there's also healing that flows to me when I worship, and you too. In fact, in Psalms uh, 29, it says that we can worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I don't know about you, but I do not consider myself to be holy. But it says that, that I can worship I, me. Unholy Randy can worship God in the beauty of holiness because it's describing this, wor- this healing work that God has done in my life to bring me to the place where I can stand before a holy God. And I'm not, as I've already said, I'm not perfect in any way, but I'm more like Jesus today than I used to be. And that healing process that God has brought to my spirit, soul, and even my body is... is uh, exemplified when I worship God and and um, and accelerated by my worship there's healing and where you if you've got some areas of your life that are a little uh, unhealthy shall we say worship can bring healing there it can be the thing that escorts the healing power of God to that those parts of your life It's also beautifying. You know, frankincense is used, the the compound that that, uh, they derive from these trees is used in cosmetics. Now, I don't use a whole lot of cosmetics, as you can probably tell, but a lot of people do. It's a huge industry around the world because we all want to look our best, right? But the Bible says that Uh, praise in, in Psalm 147 says praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful look praise looks good on you I have the vantage point that many of you don't have where I can often be up here observing you worship and it's not just from day to day but from week to week Month to month, and for many of you, year to year, and we're about ready to close on a decade that I've been observing a lot of you worshiping God. And over the arc of that time, there's been a beauty, I'll bear witness to the fact, you look better than you used to. (laughs) Because worship has a beautifying effect on your life. It changes your countenance. It changes so much about you that you just begin to be more beautiful. And that's not, I'm not just, that's just not idle chatter. That's what the Bible says. And I have observed it, and you have too. It's also, worship is also, uh, ushers us into a transcendent state. Now, I don't mean to be mystical about this, but Worship escorts us, gives us access to the very presence of God. It allows us, not in some weird way, but in a very real way, to transcend this realm, this world, and enter into that place where God is, where his presence is. I told you about the Ark of the Covenant. It's behind a veil in the tabernacle, and just outside of that is this altar of incense where the symbolic praises of God is 24-7, 365, rising. And there was one person who one time a year, the only person who could do this, uh, the high priest, one person one time a year could enter behind that veil into the presence of God where that the Ark of the Covenant was, and he would pass through that veil where the, that was saturated with the scent, the aroma uh, of the frankincense that uh, symbolized the worship of people, and when he entered into that holy place, he had to bring two things with him, one, the blood of a sacrifice, and you and I, we can't get anywhere into the presence of God without the offering, having been offered uh, the blood of Jesus on the cross. That is our ticket. But the other thing that the high priest had to bear with him as he came into the holy place was not only the blood of a sacrifice, but guess what? Frankincense. Those two things. Frankincense, worship, the, the worship life of a believer is what escorts us beyond this realm into the very presence of God. And we need a whole lot more of that, wouldn't you say? In uh, Psalm 100, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Finally, wise men and wise women offer worship because... Uh, or offer worship that is perpetual, perpetual. We read there that this offering of uh, of frankincense on the altar of incense was something that's supposed to go on around the clock every single day. And so our worship needs to be perpetual. In fact, in Psalm 34, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times, at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, I've read that probably a 1,000 times in my life. And every time I I catch myself and I ask this question, how is that even possible? I'm just enough of a realist to think, all right, I do other things in my life besides sing worship songs. So do you, right? Uh, One of the fallacies in my thinking is that worship is all about singing or music. It isn't. It's one of the fabulous aspects and expressions of worship, but it's not the only thing. In fact, worship, is far more than any of that, it is a lifestyle. It's how I live. So when I'm asking the question, oh God, how is this even possible, To that praise would rise continually from my life? Because I do other things. I, there are times when I'm plunging a plugged toilet there are some times when I'm in my office preparing messages or, or doing maintenance around this, this facility or caring for some of you in counseling or, you know, I, I have kids and grandchildren that I'm trying to maintain relationships let, not, with, not let alone my, my wife. There's a lot of stuff that goes on and I'm, I'm, I'm paying bills, I'm raking leaves, I'm decorating. Well, I don't decorate the Christmas tree. That's my wife's business, but anyway. <coughs> We do other things. So, God, how is it possible? Well, it's possible only if I make everything I do honor God. And in fact, that kind of reminds me of something I heard in the Bible, where it says, in all you do, in everything you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, that he would be honored by it. So, can I plunge the toilet and honor God? How about this? Instead of plunging and, oh, you, nah, nah, how about if I change my attitude right then? And thank God I even have a toilet to plunge? Right? How about when I'm dealing with, you know, like I have a perfect wife, nearly perfect. But there are a few times when I get a little impatient with her, right? Things that she does that are like decorate two Christmas trees. That's another story. (laughs) That kind of bugged me a little bit. And can I worship God then? Yes, I can. I can choose to honor God for this wonderful creature that he brought into my life. Instead of choosing to focus on the things that are a little ticking me off that day, I could honor God. I could worship him. I could, you could make a sale at work in a way that honors God instead of a way that honors your pocketbook. You can, and I can worship God perpetually, continually, like the offering of incense before the Ark of the Covenant. It'd be more like what what was being said in that nonverbal way when those wise men showed up at that, humble place, and likely it was past the time they were in the stable, it was more probably a, some sort of house or simple abode where they were living, when they came and laid that gift of frankincense at the, as a presentation to a baby savior, they were saying so much. This is recording number 11191 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Four Square Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning December 13, 2015. This is the second message in a series titled, Gifts for a King. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Frankincense.